So today we're going to continue our series, Liberty in Jesus, and the title of my sermon today is Freedom Versus the Curse. Freedom Versus the Curse. So if you will, go ahead and start turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 10 of Galatians chapter 3. So many people believe that Galatians was the first book that Paul wrote. Uh, it was a very special uh, group of people that he was writing to. Um, if you read at the introduction there of the book of Galatians, it was to the churches in Galatia, which was a region uh, in the Middle East there, where Paul had, I believe it was on his second missionary journey, had gone and planted these churches. And what had happened was, since he had planted them, there had been some false doctrine that had crept in from a group of people known as the Judaizers. And basically they were people who had claimed to have had faith in Christ, but also believed that you had to be circumcised, that you had to obey the Old Testament dietary laws, the Old Testament rituals, and things like that in order to be saved. And Paul took this very seriously because Paul understood that fundamentally they were changing the gospel. They were changing the gospel from a grace-based gospel to a works-based gospel. So he's writing this letter with just deep, uh, I think, grieving, but also just in a hope that God would continue to change their hearts and steer them back to the truth of the gospel. So that is the storyline here that we're continuing today. So if you found your place, stand to your feet, please, as we read God's Word and honor His Word, the Scripture, which is our foundation, Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. So the Bible says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified by, before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Let's pray. God, we entrust this service into your hands. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. Lord, be with me in everything that I say. I pray that it would be your words indeed. I pray, God, that you would move in and out of these chairs, that you would touch hearts, that you would convict hearts, that you would give peace and encouragement, God, to those who are hurting. We lift up those who are sick, who are battling illness. God, we're thankful uh, for the freedom to worship you this morning. We're thankful, God, for the safety that we enjoy here. And, Lord, we're thankful most of all for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the media room there is going to pull up a slide for me, and I just want to kind of give you guys... A, a picture illustration of something because the title of my sermon was Faith, I'm sorry, Freedom versus the Curse. And I want you to understand that freedom and the curse are in opposition to each other. Freedom is here, the curse is here. And you can't have one and the other. It's either or. It's an either or situation. Now, if you look there, that is what's known as a three man neck shackle. So those were used in the uh, transatlantic uh, slave trade. And basically, when they would have African slaves that they would be transporting across the ocean, they would be underneath a ship, and they would chain three of these men together. Uh, that way, they couldn't escape. That way, um, you know, they could contain them and keep them from rising up and taking over the ship. If you notice there on those neck shackles, there's a screw there that you can place a screwdriver in to loosen and tighten those neck shackles. 
So it's a, it was a, a horrific uh, trade, a horrific business, and I'm so thankful that that particular slave trade is gone. And we're so thankful because they treated people essentially like animals, and it was a horrific thing. But I wanted you to get an idea of what it's like to be shackled. Um, people have truly experienced this in the history of humankind, where they were literally shackled together. They were literally shackled to walls. They were literally chained up like animals. And then I want you to think about the curse. Now, when I talk about the curse, I'm talking about what Paul here is stating as the curse that we find ourselves under when we rely on our own good works to get to heaven. So if you choose to rely on your own good works today to get you to heaven, you are submitting to putting yourself under a curse. Now, a curse is a weight and a judgment that rests upon your shoulders. And we all know that eternity is something that we all are responsible for. In other words, when you stand before God one day, you're either going to stand before God based upon your own merit and your own goodness, or you're going to choose to stand before God based upon the merit and the goodness of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're either going to stand saying, God, I was a good person and I did really good and I tried to give to charity and I tried to do everything that I was supposed to do to be a good boy or a good girl, or you're going to stand before God and you're going to say, I'm a sinner, but I've trusted in Jesus in his blood for my salvation. And there's really only two answers you're going to get. If you decide you're going to trust in your own goodness and your own works, then that's when the curse is ultimately going to fall upon you, the judgment of God is going to fall upon you, and you're going to find yourself in a place called hell. But if you stand before God in freedom without the bonds and the shackles of the curse and you say, God, I'm standing here today trusting in the blood of Jesus, he's going to say, welcome in, my good and my faithful servant. That's the only two choices you've got. You've either got freedom in Christ or you've got curse that's in chains and bondage under your own works and under the law. So as we think about that, there's a few things that I want you to write down this morning. If you're uh, taking notes, just write this down. Number one is the power of of the curse. So as Paul is talking about this curse here in verse 10 through verses 14, he's talking about something that has weight, something that has power. Now, I'll tell you a story here, and not everyone can say this because it's not happened to everyone, and that's probably a good thing. But I actually got pulled over when I was driving a church van one time by a cop. And when I got pulled over, I got pulled over for speeding. Now, it would have been one thing if I was by myself in the church van, but I had a van full of kids. And on top of that, there was another church van following me because we had two van loads of kids, someone else driving that one, and of course they were keeping up with me. So as we're traveling to Bryson City to Deep Creek to go tubing, we're traveling up 74, and I think there's a point there where it drops to like 55 miles an hour. Well, you know, for any normal person, 55 miles an hour is just not fast enough. So I was going about 70 because that felt comfortable to me. Well, thankfully I don't come up with the speed limits, right? But anyway, so I was doing about 70 on 74. Next thing I know, there's one of those black and silver cars that pull in behind me. He turns his blue lights on, and I pull over. Well, my bright uh, partner that was driving the other van decided he was going to pull over too. Well, he shouldn't have done that, and you'll find out why here in a minute. But anyways, the, the cop comes up to the window. He says, listen, man, he said, I've already given out three tickets this morning. He said, and all three of those were individuals in vehicles by themselves. He said, if I gave those three people tickets, I have to give you a ticket because you've got a van load of kids. I said, I understand, officer, uh, understood, yeah, well-deserved, you know, all that good stuff. So he writes me a ticket. Then he goes back to the other van and writes him a ticket, too, because he said, he said you were keeping up with him, so you were speeding, too. He should have just kept going, by the way. But anyways, so I say that to say this. When, when you get a ticket, when a cop writes you a ticket and gives you that piece of paper 
and it's got a court date, and it's got court fees, and it's got all this other stuff on it, you may say, well, what's keeping me from just ripping that ticket up and throwing it away? Well, sure, you can do that. But you have to understand that ticket carries weight, and that ticket carries authority and power. So if you decide to do that, fine, but here's the problem. Eventually, there's going to be a warrant out for your arrest if you keep prolonging this, if you choose not to make your court date, if you choose not to pay your fines. And eventually, the weight and the authority of the law is going to fall on you because you have decided to disregard this ticket. Well, in the same way, we're talking about this curse. Now, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, Ben, you say there's a curse for, for living according to my own ways. You say there's a curse for just, you know, uh, you know, not necessarily trusting in Christ for my righteousness, but I'm a good person and I don't need that stuff. You're saying there's a curse if I do that? I am. You're saying, well, I don't believe that. That's hogwash. Well, just because you don't believe it doesn't make it true, number one. And number two, there is power behind this curse that I'm talking about, and that power is judgment. That power is the finality of the judgment that will come. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. That means every human being is going to stand before God in judgment. All right, There are no exceptions. There are no exemptions. The only difference is, is if you know Jesus, you're going to go before the judgment seat of Christ, where not one of your sins is going to be brought up. If you choose to accept your own righteousness and reject the gospel then you will stand at the great white throne judgment where you will be judged for your sins and you'll be found wanting and you will experience eternal damnation. So yes, the curse has power and the power of the curse is judgment. So here as Paul is writing in verse 10, he quotes an Old Testament scripture. Now most of your Bibles in verse 10 of Galatians 3 is going to have a certain portion of that uh, verse that's bold, that's a, a different font. And what that denotes in most Bibles is, is that the writer of the New Testament book is quoting an Old Testament verse. So here in verse 10, it says, Everyone, or I'm sorry, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written. And here is where Paul goes back and grabs this verse from Deuteronomy. Everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now, as he's talking to these people who are being influenced by these Jews who were known as Judaizers, who were trying to mix this works-based gospel into the gospel of grace, he knew that this entire law that they're trying to push on these new Christians actually contradicts what they're trying to say. Because if you go back and you read the law, the law does state that you must keep it in its entirety. And if you don't keep the law in its entirety, then you have broken all of it. So now he's looking at these people who are proclaiming this uh, hogwash, saying that you have to keep the law in order to be saved, and he's saying back to them, you can't even keep the law. The very law that you're saying these people must keep in order to be saved is the very law that you're breaking. Sure, you have ten commandments, you're keeping eight of the ten. What about the other two? The Bible says if you break one, or you break two, or you break three, you've broken them all. So now you are condemned. And these people would have been shocked to hear that, but Paul is bringing out exactly what they needed to hear. In James chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says this, For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. So as we're thinking about this curse in verse 10, John MacArthur defines, defines a curse as this. It's defined here as a divine judgment that brings the sentence of condemnation. It brings that sentence of condemnation. So here's what he's saying, for all who rely. So when you think about that, these people were choosing to rely on the law for their righteousness. 
They weren't being made to. They weren't being cornered and being forced to. They were choosing to rely on the law as opposed to grace. And what Paul is saying is if you make that choice, you are taking upon your head a curse that will inevitably destroy you. So here we go on down and it says, as Paul is reiterating that fact, it is impossible for anyone to keep the law. You might say, well, Ben, what if somebody could keep it? What if somebody could keep the law? Then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. If you could keep the law and you could have been made righteous on your own merit and your own good works, Jesus died in vain. Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. But then we go back and we look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All means everyone. We have all sinned. Therefore, we are all condemned under the law because we have all broken the law. You may say, Ben, I'm a good person. Have you lied? Ben, I'm a good person. Have you stolen? Ben, I'm a good person. Have you lusted in your heart after another person? Hey, you know what? We are all sinners, and we all have definitively broken the law. Therefore, we are all cursed until we accept Christ as our Savior. So the power of that curse is judgment, and that judgment is imminent. Remember the curse in the Garden of Eden? I, th- I found this very interesting, but in Galatians chapter 3, uh, the, the Bible is talking about a curse. And then you go to Genesis chapter 3, and the Bible is talking about a curse. Well, here in Genesis 3, this is following the events of Adam and Eve. uh, God had commanded them, do not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you do, you'll die, right? And then uh, Adam and Eve go up to the tree, and uh, Eve begins to have this conversation with the serpent, and they eat the apple. Their eyes are opened. And then they find themselves in shame. They find themselves naked. So in order to correct their nakedness and their shame, they begin to sew fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. And this is when God comes on the scene in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. It says, Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree, and I ate. So the Lord asked the woman, What have you done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust." Here we see that maybe this curse in Galatians isn't exactly the same event, but it's all related. Because what we find in Genesis chapter 3 is the curse came about on mankind because mankind disobeyed the words of God. Did you hear what he said in verse 11 there of Genesis 3? Then he asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? So here the curse fell upon the human race because the human race rejected the command of God. 
And see, that's the power of the curse. That's the judgment that comes upon all who sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It is the inevitable judgment that falls upon those who are sinners. And we see, we fast forward here to Galatians chapter 3, and we find that Paul is dealing with a group of people who have been taught the gospel. A group of people who Paul preached Jesus to. A group of people who Paul came to and said, Jesus, this man from Nazareth, uh, he was a, a God who became flesh, who dwelt among us. And, and he died for you willingly on the cross. And he rose from the dead to pay the price for your sins. Will you accept him? And they said, yes, we'll accept him. And then, in the same breath, very shortly thereafter, they're now following the works of the law. They have chosen to disregard and disobey the command of the gospel. Listen, if you want to be saved today, you have to submit yourself to Jesus. You have to submit yourself to the gospel. The Bible says to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you're one of these people who you say, I'm not going to repent, I'm good enough and I'm fine, the Bible says you are cursed. You are going to carry a curse upon your head that will ultimately bring you to a place called hell. The judgment of God will fall upon you, and there will be nothing standing between you and his judgment. And this is the group of people that Paul is teaching this to. Quit voluntarily taking upon yourself the curse when you can simply trust the goodness of God in his death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus Christ. So there we see that. We see that first part there that I wanted you to write down, the power of the curse. Now, that's the bad part of the story. Yes, the curse has power, but there's a good part. And I want to tell you about the fact that the curse has been destroyed. And that is the demise of the curse. So if you're taking notes, write that down. The demise of the curse. And we're going to see that in verses 11 through 14. Beginning in verse 11, Paul says this, Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law. Now he's saying that not based on an opinion. Because then you see in that next uh, breath that he takes... Because the righteous will live by faith. Well, here he's going back to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And he's pulling an Old Testament verse again to the New Testament. He's saying, listen, Jews, you know the Old Testament books. You know the prophets. Habakkuk said that the just, the righteous, will live by faith. So he uses Deuteronomy. Now he's using Habakkuk to prove them wrong. To say, listen... It never was by the works of the law that people were saved. Not even Abraham was saved by the works of the law. Abraham lived, by the way, before the law was even given. Abraham was a precursor to Moses. The law did not enter in until Moses. Listen, Abraham wasn't hopeless because the law didn't exist. Abraham was saved because he believed God. And the Bible says it was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God, not because he did the law that had not even existed yet. You go on down to verse um, 12, it says, But the law is not based on faith. Well, here we just said that the righteous will live by faith. If the law is not based on faith, then certainly the law can't make you righteous. He goes on down, Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Here he's quoting another Old Testament verse from Leviticus, and he's saying, Listen, if you choose to go the route of the law, you choose to go the route of your good works, guess what? You better do them all, or you're going to be in trouble. You better get them all perfect, or you're going to be found wanting at the day of the judgment. We go on down to verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. There's the destruction of the curse, by the way. 
Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Why? Because it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. The purpose was that a blessing of Abraham come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. Many of you, I'm sure, have seen The Lord of the Rings, and that's one of my favorite trilogies, an awesome movie, great special effects. What a lot of people don't realize is, is J.R. Tolkien, the one who wrote those books who are now, that have now been made into movies, was a Christian man. He had a Christian uh, raising, a fundamentally Christian man. And really, The Lord of the Rings has so many Christian undertones. Well, the, the essential uh, idea of the, of the Lord of the Rings is that there was this ring that was created many, many years before, and it was basically the power source of all the evil that was going on in the world. And it, the, the destiny, the fate, fell upon a hobbit. Now, hobbits in this uh, storyline were just humble. Uh, they weren't, weren't warrior-like people. They weren't kings. They weren't well-known. They're just humble people who kind of mind their own business. But the fate fell upon this one named Frodo to take this ring and to destroy it. Now, there was only one place in the world that it could be destroyed, and it was far away. So Frodo carried the burden of the ring to the place you'll find in the third, uh, trilogy, a third of the trilogy, The Return of the King, to finally destroy the ring. And upon destroying the ring, you're going to find that Sauron, the evil one, dies. Because the source of evil, the source of the power of evil, was destroyed. Well, today, in the same way, I want us to apply this spiritually in that the reason the curse has been destroyed is because the judgment has been destroyed. Because today, guess what? I'm a sinner. I'll admit that. I'm a sinner worthy of in a place called hell. I'm a sinner who falls short of the glory of God, but the curse does not have power over me because someone else took my judgment. Someone else went in my place and allowed my judgment to fall upon them. He freed me from the judgment, and his name is Jesus Christ. He took my sin upon himself. Did you hear right there where it says in verse 13? It says that he redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Do you realize that Jesus is God? That Jesus never made a mistake, that Jesus never sinned, that Jesus never had an evil thought, that Jesus never said an evil word, that Jesus has never done anything to harm anyone, that Jesus is altogether holy and altogether perfect and altogether sinless, and yet he willingly took my filthy, rotten sin upon his own body. He took my curse, he became a curse so that I could live and so that I could be saved. It says this, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. If we go on down, we find that that's actually rooted in the law as well. So he keeps bringing up these different passages from the law in order to combat this false doctrine of the Jews. And in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23, the Bible says this, You are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but are to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not defile the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So he's pulling this back up and he's saying, listen, the one who hung on the tree, the one who was God in the flesh, he took your curse for, for you. So why in the world are you wanting to assume that curse again? 
Listen, when you trust Jesus, the curse has been destroyed. The power source of the curse has been destroyed and you're free. But yet you're choosing, Galatians, to go back into the curse. To trust in your own merit and your own good works. That's foolish. Because Jesus took your curse for you. Don't go back and pick that curse up. Don't go back and try to be good because we all know you're not. Trust in the goodness of Jesus. And that's what Paul is trying to communicate. I love 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. And then it quotes that beautiful verse from Isaiah, By his wounds you have been healed. Someone once said this, The first Adam brings a curse on his bride. The true Adam bears the curse for his bride. Let's pray.